Hi everyone, Communications Director Jay Sokol here. You recognize this? This is the fight song for Harvard University. Gets you pretty darn fired up for some Harvard Crimson football, doesn't it? Well, I'm playing this uh, in honor of today's guest on the podcast, College Station Municipal Court Judge Ed Spillane. He's a Harvard man. He's also a University of Chicago Law School man, but I don't think they have a football team. Anyway, uh, Judge Spillane stopped by to talk about a few things. First of all, it's warrant amnesty time again, so he explains how that and the warrant roundup works. But he also talks about how his court differs from other municipal courts, uh, what some of the toughest cases are that he hears, and how he has plenty of experiences with both helicopter parents and snowplow parents. Those are similar, but they differ just a little bit. Here's Municipal Court Judge Ed Spillane. You've been doing warrant amnesty for how long now? We Well, I've we've been doing it since I've been here in 2002, and I think the court's done that before that. So it's it's been about probably 15, 20 years. But you're doing it twice a year now. Now we do it twice a year. About six or seven years ago, we said, this works out great. Why not offer it twice a year? And has that been a positive thing? It's been a very positive. Uh, uh, we, we get the word out now all year round, calling people on warrant. We've got our warrants listed on our website. But uh, having the warrant amnesty somehow awakens the community to come to court and take care of their cases. I know students get caught up in this a lot. Some of them are, are careless or just not familiar with uh, the city and the posted speed limits and all those sorts of things, and they end up in your court. But the kind of treatment that they get, how do the parents of these kids typically respond? Because I have to think in a lot of cases the parents are around. Well, well you know, first of all, people get angriest at parking tickets and where parents learn a lot of times about cases that their kids did not tell them about are parking tickets because most cars in town are owned by the parents yeah um and actually the parking tickets you know if they don't come in and take care of a parking ticket then we'll send a notice to the owner of the car uh their parents but um generally they understand we work we explain things to the parents and to, now you know most of the we're calling them kids but if you're 17 or older you're an adult in yeah, terms of a uh, criminal court so you know we're dealing with 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 the actual defendants but most parents are understanding a few are upset and again we take those calls we explain they 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 they'll go to our website now and 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 read over all the different options so we work with parents and of course parents of of kids that are in high school they participate actively in our teen court program so they're an active part of the process okay i'm going to get off track a little bit but since we're talking about parents so we know what helicopter parents are, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yes. I heard a new term the other day. And actually, I looked it up. It's been around for two or three years. But the new term is snowplow parents. Do you know about this? Uh, yes, I have heard that. Have yes. you heard about yes. it? I yes. had not. To, yes. where, to where the parents are clearing the way uh, for their kiddos so they don't encounter any problems any trouble, any conflict, they are clearing the roadway That's right. for the uh, kiddo to, to have a good experience. And, and so do you see some of that? Do you experience some of that in the court? Sure. We see it in, in the eyes and the reaction of kids when they get here. And, and a lot of times this is, you know, that's what college is all about is coming and taking care of things on your own, learning how to take care of situations on your own. And one way or the other, the process is going to work, whether you have a snowplow parent, a helicopter parent, you know, and, you know, helicopter parent can be good and some ways and it can be bad in other ways but uh we we do see it and again 
we, we try to make sure that the court is not an obstacle course. We try to explain things. People come to our court, they're not attorneys. And so we do a lot of uh, explaining, but we do see, you know, the effects of the snowplow <laughs> parents or, or parenting in general. We see a lot of effects. Okay, so back to uh, warrant amnesty. Yes. Uh, for those who may not be familiar with how this works, in a nutshell, explain how this works. Well, many people think, especially like with traffic tickets, you know, that all these cases are criminal cases, and many people think that if they don't come to court, uh, that an arrest warrant won't go out. But that does happen in Texas. And what we do is, if you come to our court during the amnesty, you take care of your case. We will waive the $50 warrant fee per case, but more importantly, you'll avoid being arrested. And and that is a great benefit because probably the most memorable experience coming out of our court is being arrested. No one wants to be arrested. And if you never come to court, you don't have a chance to meet our payment plan advisors or see me or or plea your you know plea to your case or have your jury trial if you want. Uh, if you don't come to court, you'll end up having a failure to appear, which ends up being a, an arrest warrant. Now, you've got a huge, huge list of folks with outstanding warrants, some of them dating back years and years. Yes. At, at what point do you just say, okay, you know what, we're giving up on those? Or do you ever give up on those? Well, well an arrest warrant is good from the date of issue. However, what we do is that if you have a Texas driver's license, we put a hold on your renewing your license, and that really gets people to come in. Now, you, the time that you have to renew is about six years. So, you know, we really do focus on cases that are within six years. Okay. It's up to the prosecutor, you know, at some point, if there's a 20-year-old case that no one's ever come in and we've never found the person, it's up to them whether to dismiss it. And a lot of times they will dismiss a case if it gets a certain age. Are you finding that you're clearing out more cases, an increasing number or percentage of cases each year, or does it kind of remain steady throughout the years? You know, every year we, we constantly are using different techniques. We, you know, putting the warrants on the website, having automatic phone messages. So we are clearing more warrants each year. We do clear them out. Uh, however, the population is growing, and, and so every year we're going to have, you know, a certain number of people who, who don't understand that they need to come to court and take care of their cases. So there's always going to be that constant kind of group. But I, I we, we our clearance rate has gone up each year. After the Warren amnesty period comes the roundup. Explain how the roundup works. Right. Starting October 31st, Halloween's on a Saturday. Starting that, that time, there is a countywide roundup, and that's until November 9th. What that means is chances are if you didn't come in during the amnesty, uh, to the court where you, your your case was at, then uh, local law enforcement will focus on Class C misdemeanors, and there's a good chance you'll be arrested. Uh, so uh, we do the roundup, uh, and it's countywide. It's not just in the city of Cal Station. The city of Bryan's participating. The county JP courts are participating. The constables. Uh, chances are that you'll be arrested if you during that roundup if you don't come in during the amnesty. Has technology and social media and all that changed? the way Roundup happens, or is it still kind of a, an old-school basic process? Well, the, 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 the method of arrest is the same. I mean, the, the officers, if they have an arrest warrant and you're the one on that arrest warrant, they will take you to the jail and you will be booked. And uh, now one way social media has changed, if you go, you know, if you look at uh, the county website, uh, booking photos are online and things like that. So that, you know, online media has really affected uh, courts in terms of expunctions and, and, and trying to make sure you clear your record because unfortunately in this day and age, things don't just stay within the city of College Station or the yeah. College Station Municipal Court. Uh, we're, you know, all courts are have public records, and so 
uh, people are, are more and more interested in making sure that the sins of their youth, uh, they can somehow, if they change you know, their path and they're a good citizen afterwards, that they can somehow get that case expunged because there are so many third parties out there picking up our public records. Mm-hmm. There's, uh, you know, booking photos. So that's another reason amongst many not to be arrested because, you know, you just do not want a record out there of being arrested. It just doesn't look good. You don't like arresting people anyway. And absolutely not. I, you know, I see people all the time. I see them in the jail and they say, well, I was waiting to save my money or I was waiting. And, and I tell them, no, you need to come in and see us. We have payment plan coordinators who will work with you. If you're indigent, if you're working full time and it's going to necessities, then we have community service. We want, I want people in the community to do community service. If you're juveniles, they all do community service. So we're not all about just making them pay a fine. We want them not to be in jail. Jail is the last place. It's just because it's a criminal charge, and if you don't show up, it's a place where you end up going as a last resort. Where do you usually assign people community service? We 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 uh, many other we have a program called the Red Program that works within with alcohol cases in the hospital that we do uh, with uh, with the Extension Office of Texas A and M. We have public works here in Northgate with the city. We have people working with Mothers Against Drunk Driving. We have the animal shelters in, uh, that, that people do work variety as long as it's a nonprofit or government entity we uh, try to service numerous entities and, and a lot of times if there's an entity out there that needs some help we have people who can do work on every alcohol case uh, individuals have to do at least 10 hours of community service so okay. uh, so you know often I'll talk to nonprofit or government entities and say look if you need some help let us know Red Cross we've helped them so it's a variety of agencies so it's not like you're creating chain gangs on the side of the road <laughs> no no we are not creating <laughs> chain gangs and, and and really you know people sometimes enjoy we've had people who've gone on you know carpool started from an individual going to a drunk driving impact panel working with mothers against drunk driving that's how it started I so see. you know from a case so you know we, we've had lots of good stories and that's what i want i want people to never end up in a court after they go to my court that's really my whole goal right okay so apart from uh warrant amnesty and and warrant roundup how does your court or how does the college station municipal court differ from other municipal courts in texas well, you know, I, hopefully, uh, you know, all courts are trying to follow the law. We are always very sensitive to make sure that we're following the law and that we're also help making sure that, that when they come to court, it is not an obstacle course, that, that, that all the options are explained, that individuals are given a chance if they are indigent, if they're poor, that they can meet with us. We, everyone has to do a payment plan application to fill out and work with us to make sure that community service is provided not just for indigent, but for any juvenile. You know, someone who's 15 or 16, it's not their parents' case. It's their case. And I want them to do community service. And I understand a 14-year-old's not working. that They're not going to pay a fine. I want them to... Uh, uh, to do the community service. We also try to provide teen court. Uh, uh, we've had a strong teen court program for years, and that is probably the most powerful program I've seen in the whole criminal justice system. And so we, you know, doing alternative sentencing, we have sent many people to the drunk driving impact panels, not because people are necessarily going to be drunk drivers or alcoholics, but because I want young people to actually see the road that they could go down if they get into court again on an alcohol charge. And so, you know, we're, we're constantly looking for alternative ways to, with the main goal, 
this is the last court you need to be in. And so, you know, we see people at, you know, age 13, 14 with shoplifting. Yeah. And, you know, they don't want to be in court. But the greatest thing probably ever happened was that, that the retailer reported them. They came to my court. They went to teen court. And they never got involved in a theft again. The record is clear, but they never, ever got into court with a theft again because that can really affect your future if you have a theft record. So, right. And you've been doing uh, work as a municipal court judge for how many years now? Since, since 2002, so, so quite, a, quite a while. And before that, I worked in the district attorney's office. Do you have a particular reputation within your profession and among your peers? I mean, if, if I went to uh, a conference of municipal mm-hmm. court judges in Texas and said, anybody know Ed Spillane? What would they say about you? Well, hopefully they would say that he's always open for a call and he's a mentor and a leader. I'm, you know, I'm right now the uh, president of the Texas Municipal Courts Association, and I do that. I go to Austin uh, quite often in order to, one, learn about the, the best way, best practices, but also to help lead other courts to follow a proper path, follow the, the law. So I think people look to me as a mentor, and I also look to myself as you know someone who can learn from other courts who are doing the right thing. So. When the legislature's in session, do you ever get called to, to speak to them? Yes, I've testified on bills. We, we, you know, municipal courts are unique areas, and it's really important that we have a voice, that we make sure that the law works, and it's not just something that, you know, hurts defendants or hurts prosecutors. So, yes, I'm, we're actively involved in, in the legislature, making sure that good laws are, are passed, and, and, and a lot of times fixing laws that have a problem. So, yeah, I do actively work with the legislature. Talk to me about some of the toughest cases that come into your court. What are some really difficult kinds of cases that come before you? Well, you know, the, 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 the most difficult are, are a lot of the public intoxication cases or assault cases where, you know, the assault cases, there's a victim. But a lot of times with the public intoxication, you're seeing someone go down that, a path that will eventually lead to possibly a drive while intoxicated or worse. And so, you know, you really hope, you know, and, I, and I'm not a psychologist. We're not there. We're not there to, you know, we're there to hopefully make sure someone doesn't end up in court. But the, the toughest cases are when you see a, a you know, it's particularly a young person who's going down a path. And a lot of intoxication is not alcohol. It can be the synthetic drugs and some of the other things. And, and those are the toughest because we really want to do our best as a court to make sure that these individuals get help. Right. And sometimes, I mean, we can't do it all. I mean, it takes that person having an interest in helping themselves. And, uh, uh, and uh, but we, th- those are the toughest for me because, you know, I re- every, if you get charged with public intoxication, you don't get a ticket. You have to be arrested because you're intoxicated. You don't have control. You're a danger to yourself. And so those individuals I always see in the jail. I read the report. And those are probably the toughest cases that I see. Yeah. Is there a, a top three, top five uh, list of, of misconceptions and misunderstandings about municipal court or, or just how it works uh, that you find yourself having to explain all the time? Yeah, The number one is that avoid court. Uh, it's, it's just, you know, if, if I get there, I'm going to immediately be arrested or things are not going to be explained to me. That's probably the number one to avoid court. That's the worst thing to do is to not come by our court. And when, again, using social, we, we use our website. We send things out. People call us all, the, all day long. Uh, 
That's the number one misconception. The second misconception is that, you know, we're spending all our day just trying to raise money for the city. That's really not, you know, there are two ways of punishment. There's jail and fines. That's the way it's always been. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, for a seatbelt violation, a speeding violation, most people don't want to go to jail. So it's a fine system. But we are not, you know, you know, so obviously money is involved in a fine system. But we're, we're, we want, you know, proper judgments to be enforced. But our main thing, and the same with the police, is we want to uh, change behavior. The number one reason that a young person overwhelmingly dies is because of a traffic fatality. It's not because being involved in an armed robbery or other things. It's trap. You know, traffic fatalities are very dangerous, and um, and I know that the College Station Police Department really care about proper enforcement. And we also care about not only proper enforcement, but also making sure that defendants have a fair trial. I guess the third misconception, but I don't see it because more people want a bench trial than a jury trial, is that people may think that they're not going to get a fair shake in court. The whole reason that we have a separate building from the police department, we have a courtroom, is to make sure people do have not just, you know, for sure a fair shake, but that there's an appearance that when they show up that they're going to have a fair, you know, mm -hmm. a fair chance. And, and if the state doesn't prove their case, I find them not guilty. And, and, and more people ask for bench trials than ask for jury trials. And I guess that's an indication that, that people have confidence in our system. Now you have uh, a daughter who is college age, right. and she's off at school. And so we, before she set off for school, did you give her the big speech from, from Dad, the judge, uh, about, okay, now don't, uh, don't uh, drive while intoxicated. Be careful of this. Make sure you don't do this. anything, like all the <laughs> advice you would give to stay out of uh, the way of the judge in her jurisdiction. Well, I made sure I wasn't a snowplow parent, but I was, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I could be accused of being a helicopter. Uh, yes, I gave her the speech, but she's kind of a, an experiment because, you know, in the second grade, third grade, she often would visit my bench trials. And, and so she's seen a lot as a, as a young person that a lot of people don't see till they end up in college. And uh, uh, so I think she's aware of a lot of the things that, you know, ways that young people can get in trouble, a lot of the regrets they have. So, yeah, I gave all the speeches. She's a normal kid. She'll make the normal mistakes. But, uh, uh, you know, she's like all the college kids we see here. Hopefully, you know, she's in the state of Florida now. So hopefully... The the state of Florida will be uh, as educational and um, have the same, uh, you know, goals that the city of College Station has. And I think the city of Gainesville reminds me a lot of the city of College Station. What did we leave out? What did I not ask you about? Uh, you know, I think you, I think you hit all the points. The big thing is, you know, municipal courts are an easy target, and I understand that. But you know, we really want to here in the city of College Station be a leading light. Not, not just to judges, to other courts, but, you know, to defendants who are our citizens. Eventually, if you live in, in a city, you're going to end up in municipal court a lot of times, maybe with a speeding ticket or something like that. And I know no one's happy about getting a ticket and paying a ticket, but hopefully your process will be as painless as possible and also as educational as possible. And if anyone have any questions or concerns or interests, we also, one thing we do is we have an internship program. So we have a lot of Aggies who are interested in law school go through our court. And I want the court to be an educational uh, uh, resource uh, for, for for our citizens because ultimately that's what court's all about is to make sure you don't end up in court later. So, Thank you, sir. Appreciate your time. Thank you very much, Jim. Ed's just a darn good guy, isn't he? And a heck of a good judge, too. Specifics about warrant amnesty and roundup can be found at blog.cstx.gov. And feel free to browse the names of those with outstanding warrants. You might find some names you recognize, actually. All that is at cstx.gov slash warrants. 
Thanks to Judge Spillane for being my guest, and thank you for listening. I'm Jay Sokol.